from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. You ever thought about that? Uh, For instance, for centuries, people believed the world was flat. That was a lie. But because they believe it, it impacted their lives as if it were true, right? People would not venture too far out in the ocean out of fear that they might fall off the edge. Why? A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Uh, Growing up, you were probably told it wasn't safe to swim after eating. Your parents made you wait 30 minutes after lunch to get back in the pool. The only problem is that it's not dangerous to swim after eating. That was a lie. Right now you're thinking, no, I'm pretty sure it's true. It isn't. It isn't. But you and your parents believed it, so it affected your life as if it were true. You sat there for 30 minutes waiting. Now, it isn't a big deal if you miss some swimming time growing up, but What if you believe more significant lies that have serious implications? What if you buy into the lie that um, you'll never be good enough or that you made too many mistakes or that God doesn't really care about you or or that you will never be able to stop doing what you don't want to do? A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Like, have you ever met a woman who is, like, obviously pretty but believes she's ugly? Like, regardless of what anyone else says, regardless of reality, she's convinced she's unattractive. And so, like, she dresses accordingly. She avoids dating. She makes self-depreciating comments. Why? Well, because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Uh, You may have known a very successful businessman who considers himself a failure. His abundant achievements lead everyone else to think highly of him, but he cannot think of himself that way. Why? Uh, Perhaps he had a demanding father with impossible standards. This guy is now killing his career, but consistently feels like he just doesn't measure up. He stays late at the office. He works weekends. He neglects his family. Why? Because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Living your life by a lie is a lot like being chained up in a prison. On the other side of the cell door is life, the the abundant life. Jesus came and died for you to live. And you can have that life, but you don't. Because you're in this prison. And the ironic thing is, the prison cell you're in is imaginary. It's a lie you believe. And the key to get out is to believe the truth. We are uh, we're in a brand new series called Winning the War in Your Mind. We said last week that the battle for your life is won or lost in your mind. I, I want you to picture a war scene. Okay? with two opposing sides. They're in, they're in this war, right? Now, now imagine that one side doesn't realize it's in a war. And so the, the enemy is attacking and taking them out, but they're just oblivious. Oh, what's going on? Well, that's kind of hard to imagine because it's just too absurd, right? And, and I agree, except 
I wonder if I may have just described your life because every day you are engaged in a battle. You may not recognize the battle, but it is wreaking havoc in your life. Like, have you ever wondered why you just can't shake a, a bad habit? Why you feel like you can't connect with God? Why you lose your temper so easily? Why you continually make bad decisions? Why uh, your kid or, or a friend seems to have this cloud of darkness over them? Why you and your spouse fight so much? Why you're always consumed with worry, fear, negativity? There's a reason why. It all starts with your thinking. Your mind is a war zone, and it's critical that you're aware of it. If, if you ignore the battle, you lose the battle. You are in a battle, and you have an enemy. And, and we know enemies, right? Enemies like Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. Enemies like uh, Drake and Meek Mill. Like Taylor Swift and most everyone, right? Except for the Swifties. Like she seems to be in a war with a lot of people. But you have an enemy. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, my spouse. Or yeah, my neighbor with a dog that won't stop barking. No, no, no. Listen, our battle is spiritual, and you have a spiritual enemy, Satan. I remember uh, when I first started reading the Bible, I, I come from a completely non-Christian background. I first started reading the Bible, and I first became a Christian. I was like, really? Satan? You guys believe that? You expect me to believe that? But now, I believe that. I mean, with all the evil in the world. Is it impossible to think that there could be a source of all that evil? And as hard as it is for me to be good, to, to do good, well, it's, it's not that hard to believe that there is a force working against me. You may have heard the quote, uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. He, he doesn't want you to believe in him. And so he works very subtly. Satan knows that if you ignore him, well, then he can invade your mind with impunity. Satan is your enemy. Jesus said that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. God tells us that Satan wants to stop you and devour you. He hates you, and he wants to keep you from God and from the life that God has for you. So how does he do it? He lies. He is a deceiver, and his strategy in your life is to defeat you by persuading you to believe lies. Uh, we're warned of this. Um, John, in John 8, Jesus says, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I mean, understand this. Uh, Satan is your enemy, and every day he's watching you looking for a place where you might be susceptible to believing a lie. If, if you succeed at something, maybe he can convince you that you don't need God. Look how successful you are. If you fail at something, he'll attempt to brainwash you into thinking, you're always going to be a failure. Look, you failed. You have a, a great first date, 
He'll try to convince you that romance is the only thing that will ever make you happy. Your first date was a disaster. He'll whisper that you'll never have anyone love you for who you are. If you're trying not to look at porn, he'll tell you that everyone else is doing it. If you look at porn, he'll make you feel like you're the only person sick enough to do such a disgusting thing. Satan is conniving and he's trying to lock you in a prison of lies. And if you believe his lies, you lose the battle. So uh, last week we started our series, this Winning the War in Your Mind series, by looking at writings from the Apostle Paul. Paul was an early follower of Jesus. Uh, God inspired Paul to write a big chunk of what is now the Bible. Uh, they, they were originally letters that he wrote to churches that we now have as books of the Bible. Uh, Paul wrote some of his letters from prison. And what's cool is that even though his body was locked in prison, Paul's mind was still free. And if there is one thing we've learned, well, we learned it from En Vogue. Even though Paul was a captive, his mind was free because he had taken his thoughts captive. He knew something we need to know. Your thoughts will control you, and so you have to control your thoughts. We saw last week that Paul did that. He controlled his thoughts, but he wasn't always that way. It's interesting. You might think, well, he's like Superman with thought. Like, no, no, no. Check out how he describes himself in um, the book he wrote, let, original letter called Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do... What I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? And um, Paul wrote this a long time ago, and he, and he writes very um, theologically. But what he wrote to the Romans, he could totally write to us, and we can all relate to this. Right? We, we've all experienced what he's saying, though we wouldn't say it the way he says it. In fact, um, I, I tried a while back, I tried to, to paraphrase what Paul wrote, but like I wrote it for us today, more the way we'd probably talk about this. So maybe like instead of Romans 7, 15 through 24, we, we could call this uh, paraphrase, modern paraphrase, Vervians 7, 15 through 24. It goes like this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I tell myself not to yell at my kids, 
then I hear someone yelling at my kids and I realize it's me. There's something wrong inside of me that leads me to do what I don't want to do. I tell myself, whatever happens, I will not deviate from my diet. I promise I will not make any exceptions. Then I find a piece of pizza in my mouth. What a miserable person I am. I am a slave to pizza. As I try to understand this power that makes me a slave to, to, to pizza, I suddenly have a realization, I'm now eating brownies. I'm a slave to pizza and brownies. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do right, there's always something wrong for me to look at on the internet. I don't want to look, but there's something in me that does it anyway. When I'm about to tell my wife that she's just like her mother, I know what I'm about to do is wrong. That's why I decide not to tell my wife she's just like her mother. Then I find my mouth opening and words coming out. The words sound like, you are just like your mother. It is sin living in me that does that. Who will free me from this life dominated by the dumb things my me keeps doing? One thing I know for sure, it's not going to be me. And that, that sounds like us, right? And where does all that happen? In our minds. And where do all those problems and bad decisions start? Our thinking. We are not controlling our thoughts, so our thoughts are controlling us. And that's what Paul was like when, when, when he wrote Romans 7. Like, it's obvious this is not a guy who has mastered his thought life. But check out how Paul describes himself probably about seven years later in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Well, that, that does sound like a guy who had mastered his thoughts. And man, that, that encourages me because I feel like my thought life can be cray-cray. Like my thoughts can run out of control. I despair. I obsess. I can be confused. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed. If It, it can feel like I, I'm in a confrontation with myself and I'm losing. And, and I'm guessing we can all be a bit crazy, right? You, you try not to worry, but you do. You tell yourself to be positive, but you aren't. You decide to exercise, but drive right past the gym to buy the burger, fries, and milkshake. It is so frustrating. But Paul mastered his mind. He says he learned a secret, and so man, I, I can learn that secret, and, and so can you. How how did he win the battle for his mind? How can we? Um, listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, our weapons, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now let's, let's, uh, let's break that down and see um, how it applies to our lives, okay? So it said strongholds. We, de we demolish strongholds. A stronghold is a lie that you believe deeply and that is damaging you. Like, so, so what mistaken belief, what, what deeply held lie 
is impacting your life. That's your stronghold. Paul said we need to demolish those strongholds. Uh, stronghold is uh, translated from the Greek word uh, ochuroma. It literally means to fortify, to fortify. In, in ancient times, a stronghold was a building. That, that's one. It was a fortress built on top of the highest peak in the city. And this, this, this citadel would typically have a reinforced wall surrounding it. The wall could be 20 feet wide. In times of war, if the, if the city was attacked, the stronghold was pretty much unapproachable and impenetrable. P political leaders were hidden there to prevent them from being taken or killed. And Paul made the comparison between these fortresses and the lies we believe. Like the walls of the strongholds, our lives, our lies, have been reinforced over and over and over and over and over. Right? We, we believe those lies for so long. It's like, it's like they become a part of us. We, we keep them protected. They, they're almost impenetrable. We have mental strongholds. You could say that uh, our, our mental strongholds are the lies that have a strong hold on us. So I, I uh, told you last week about my, my issue with catastrophizing. If you, if you missed it, you can totally watch or listen to last week's message on our website or our app. Um, but, but that is not the only thought problem I have. Um, so, so I also have this belief that I can never be enough. Not, I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I am not successful enough. And so I always, I always have to prove myself. I have to prove that I'm worthy. Now, you should say, but Vince, you know the Bible. God tells us that we don't need to be enough. Jesus was enough for us. Vince, you know that God loves you, and that's what matters. And if you did say that, you would be right. And I know that. I actually teach that. But man, it feels like it applies to everyone but me. Knowing the truth was not enough to penetrate the walls of my stronghold. I still believed the lie that I was not worthy and that I had to prove myself. And that lie affected my life as if it were true. What's yours? What's your, uh, what's your stronghold? Listen, uh, you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. You need to identify the lie that has a stronghold on you and think about the negative impact it's had on you and others. Do you see um, in your life how, where uh, you have become a prisoner of deception, locked up by a lie you believe is true? If you're going to change your life, you have to change your thinking. It is time to demolish our strongholds. Uh, look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 22. It says, a wise man attacks the city of the mighty and pulls down the stronghold in which they trust. In other words, if you're in a war and you're attacking a city, 
And make sure you get that stronghold. Yeah, it's difficult. It's way up there and it's got the reinforced wall. But make sure you get the stronghold. If you don't, if you attack the city, but don't take the more difficult action of bringing down that stronghold, well, the, the city is just going to reestablish itself because its leaders are hiding in the stronghold and you let them live. And so you have to bring down the stronghold. And it's the same with us. If you want to change your life, you cannot just change your behavior. Like, like you may be able to change your behavior for a while, but that behavior will reestablish itself. You, <laughs> you've experienced that, right? We all have. So you made a New Year's resolution or, or some commitment. You're going to start doing something or stop doing something else. You decide you're going to lose weight or quit smoking or pray more. Stop yelling at your kids. And it worked. Well, it worked for a few weeks. And then you went back to doing what you always do. Why? Because, because you didn't get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is the lie that you believe. Paul said to win the battle, demolish the stronghold. The problem is we've learned this. We, we just can't do that. We, we, we just, we don't have that kind of power. In fact, the word that we have translated in that passage we read, demolish, demolish strongholds. Uh, that word demolish, it, it, it implies uh, destruction requiring massive power. But we don't have massive power. And that's why we keep trying to change, but thinking the same thing and doing the same thing we always have because we're not using enough power. It's kind of like we're, we're trying to kill Godzilla with a fly swatter and work. The, the truth is we don't have enough power to do this on our own. That's why it said we use weapons with divine power. What is that weapon? Where do we get that divine power? How do we access it? That is what we're gonna learn next week. Oh, man. Yep, yep. You got to come back next week. I, I will say this. I'll say this. You know that divine, divine power, right? divine refers to God. God has weapons we can use to demolish our strongholds and win the war for our mind. We'll learn about those weapons next week. But for now, it starts with God. It starts with God. You remember we saw Paul wrote, um, he said, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? And here is the answer he found. Uh, Romans 7.25, he says, Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ. Christ our Lord. And we will learn more about that next week. But, the, but just for now, the first foundational answer is Jesus. And Jesus can be your answer. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I have proven that I am not a great leader for my life. I think wrong. I make bad decisions. I sin. I realize I can't rescue myself from my sins, and that's why the answer is 
Jesus. Because of what he did on the cross, he can rescue me from my sins and he can lead me into life. And so I have put my faith in him as my savior, the the one who can rescue me from my sins and as my Lord, the one who can lead me through life and into eternity. Maybe, and maybe you're ready to do that too, to, to put your faith in Jesus, to trust him as the one who can rescue you from your sins and be the leader of your life. If so, and you can make that decision today, like you can tell God today, God doesn't need you to clean up your act or go through some hoops or take a test or learn. You can just tell him today, God, I I am putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. God, I surrender my life to you, to the leadership of Jesus. I, I accept and believe in what Jesus did on the cross for me. You could do that right now. You could do that today. And then the next thing you do is um, you get baptized. Baptism is when a person is lowered underwater and then raised up out of water. And um, it's a symbol of this person dying, like being buried in a grave to their old life and then being raised up to a new life. Uh, We're doing baptisms here at Verve next Sunday here in Las Vegas. If you're here, then you could make that your day. You could get baptized next Sunday here at Verve. If you're not in Las Vegas, we will totally help you to get baptized wherever you are. We will work that out with you. Uh, Let us know if you're interested, whether you're in Vegas or somewhere else. If you go to verve.cc, verve.cc, you'll see some different options. And one of them says baptism. Click baptism. Let us know that you're interested. We will contact you. We'll answer your questions. We'll walk you through it. And if you're ready, we'll help you make that happen. Remember, we said earlier that you can't defeat what you don't define. Uh, Baptism is a part of that. On, on those days of the rest of your life when the enemy is telling you that you are less than, that you are not capable of overcoming, that you just can't do it, you remember your baptism. You remember your baptism because that was the day your identity was established. You decided who you were, a child of God, a loved, forgiven child of God. That's who you are. You make that statement, that decision of that being your identity in baptism. Let us know if you're interested. And make sure that you are here next week as we continue our series, Winning the War in Your Mind, and we learn how we get the divine power to demolish the strongholds that have us held in a lie. For now, let's pray. God, maybe there's someone right now who's watching this and who's realizing I need to do this. I need to put my faith in Jesus. And so, God, I put my faith in you. I accept Jesus as my Savior, the only one who can rescue me from my sins. And I I put my faith in Jesus as my Lord, uh, who's going to lead me in life and lead me into eternal life in heaven with you. I say yes to what Jesus did on the cross for me. I want that to count for me. God, if someone just prayed that prayer, wow, uh, there's a party in heaven. You are so happy. We're so happy, and, and we celebrate that in baptism, and I pray that that, that person would um, decide to let us know and take that next step of baptism. God, for all of us, would you help us um, to identify the lies that we believe, the lies that are imprisoning us and holding us back? God, 
As we continue the series, we're going to learn how to find the divine weapons you give us to demolish those lies, those strongholds, so that we can find freedom and take our lives back by winning the war in our mind. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.